Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead, and as usual, I'm joined by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. In this week's episode, we're going to be discussing the flooding that Britain has experienced in recent weeks with Storm Dennis and Storm Chiara, I think is how you pronounce it before that. And we're not out of the woods yet by any means, with more bad weather forecast in the days ahead. And in this podcast, we're going to be discussing what is causing the floods. Is it man-made climate change? We don't think so. And the media's reaction to the floods. So, Greg, we've had here in the United Kingdom now, what, the three weeks worth of heavy rain, wind and flooding. And it's been rather too close to home for comfort for me because the South Wales valleys and parts of the South Wales valleys I know well have been uh, badly affected by the second storm, which was Storm Dennis. And um, I'd like to begin by paying tribute to the emergency services and the efforts they've made in helping the people in areas I know well, Pontypridd and Nangaru. And uh, you know, I, I know those streets like the back of my hand that have been affected and uh, areas further up the valleys that I don't know so well and parts of the north of England and the Midlands that have also been affected. What we are seeing though, what's annoyed me, the way this has been portrayed in the mainstream media, this is not to do with climate change. And every time we seem to have unusual weather these days, the BBC and Channel 4 News peddle this line that it's to do with climate change. And this is every time it's a bit hotter than usual, it's a bit colder than usual, it rains for a few days, it snows for a few days, we got some snow forecast for tomorrow, I see. And the former BBC weatherman, John Ketley, appeared on LBC Radio the weekend before last, and he said, listen, this has got nothing to do with climate change, this is to do with weather. He said, there has always been what we would consider extreme weather from time to time. Uh, even when he was a little boy growing up more than 60 years ago in West Yorkshire in the valleys there, the same thing happened. So what I'm getting at, Greg, is this is weather. It's got nothing to do with climate and the reporting of it, this lazy looking for a climate change angle every time anything remotely unusual happens with the weather is grossly irresponsible. I think the media is grossly irresponsible in many areas like this. It's peddling its own party line and that of others, one must admit. However, it's not just weather. Um, it is indubitably climate change. The climate changes by the hour and it changes by the day and it changes year on year. Uh, there is always climate change, not just in this country. In fact, to take it yet further, I've managed to find a weather diary of 1846 published by a bookseller and publisher in London who was probably better known for publishing uh, maps and particularly a miniature atlas uh, a publisher by the name of Carey and for January February so correction for December January February and March. So far, the weather in 1846 was near as damn it identical to the weather that we are having at the moment. Interestingly, that was in a period around what was known as the Little Ice Age. And in terms of climate change, it is very obvious that at the moment we are not going into a period of global warming. We've had 15 years of the temperature basically staying at almost exactly the same and we are 
in the process of moving into most likely the beginnings of a potential little ice age because we have no sunspots. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because this figure, this phrase that we keep hearing on the mainstream news, since records began, and that's a very important phrase that we keep hearing, but it doesn't actually mean as much as people think it does because Met Office records began in 1872, which is 30 years on from the date you just gave. So in terms of when records began, 1872 was the click of a finger ago in terms of how long the world has been around and how long the sun has been around. Um, it, in 1872, it began with climate and rainfall data. Sunshine tabulations started in 1910, so even more recently. Sunshine recordings at the site at the Met Office started in 1890, so a little bit earlier. But what I'm getting at is this phrase, since records began, since 1872, is really not all that long ago. Um, but what we know about what went on in the period before then, you mentioned the mini ice age. All one has to do is look at a John Constable painting. And I'm going to ask you to explain this because you can probably put it in better words than I can. Why, when we look at a John Constable painting, first of all, tell us when he lived and then tell us why the skies in those paintings are pink. Well, to give you another far more personable level, interestingly, Sky News in Australia had been hearing the quote that the fires this year were due to it being hotter than on record that goes back to, as I believe it was something like 1880, and the sky weather individual who was querying this said, and here is a picture of the weather station in the area in 1880, and it was a picture of a, a rather rudimentary thermometer standing in a beer crate. Mm. We do have rather different methods of measuring. As for John Constable, uh, there is the wonderful comment made about his fantastic skies in his pictures. And a commentator said, well, it's completely wrong. You don't see skies like that. And it was pointed out to the commentator, firstly, don't you wish you did? And then somebody said, no, you don't see them because at the time, there had been a volcanic eruption in Iceland that had filled the sky with dust. And that was Mount Kettler. And it filled the sky with dust that gave rise to fantastic pinks and oranges in the sunsets and in the sky at various times of day. And this pertained for nearly 10 years. Yeah. And also in that era, John Constable, roughly the time he was around, that was the era of things like frost fairs on the Thames. Or was that a little bit earlier? Um, the frost fairs on the Thames were around the 1850s. As, well, I'm not going to say as I recall, because that would be giving my age away. Um, but um, it was around about that period. And not only were these just frost fairs that, where you could skate on the Thames, they lit bonfires on the Thames and roast oxes and had entire, one can call them street markets, um, river markets set up on the ice mm. with the crowds concomitant with that. This is also the era on which the pictures we used to have, um, it's fading away now, of on Christmas cards 
of stagecoaches axle deep in snow and winter scenes of that ill. I haven't had that for, for years. My, my father, who was born in 1921, talks of the era around the 1934-35 when he was in his teens, when every summer, year after year, they used to spend the whole of the summer holidays dashing off because he lived in an area where there were an awful lot of quarries and he and all his mates used to be at the quarry as soon as school ended and all day swimming. Mm. Now you swim in a quarry these days and we have a very large one just up the road from us which is a diving centre. It's damn cold every day of the year. But in the summers of the 30s, it was hot. We've had hot periods since. Um, the one that everybody will think of is 1976. We have weather, it changes. We've had climate change, which has been dramatically different on a serial basis. When you consider that where I live on near the Y and the River Severn's confluence, we were one mile deep in ice during the last ice age. Yes, climate changes. Well, I, I think back, um, this is why I, I'm suspicious of the narrative peddled by the mainstream media. I think back to even the early 2010s, so just 10 years ago, we had about three winters in a row, didn't we, that were exceptionally cold. Now, I spoke to people of your generation and the generation a little bit older than you, and you're, what, 73, 74 now, whatever it is. And they were saying to me that when they were children and when they were young adults, these sort of winters were more or less the norm. And they told stories about summer being warmer in, using the example you just gave. So it's clear that even within short periods of time of 30, 40, 50 years, the climate changes to a certain extent. And therefore, it's now become so lazy and so cliched. Every time there is slightly unusual weather, snow for a few days, a hot week or so in the middle of summer. Um, the summer of two years ago was quite a warm one, um, though it doesn't, I don't doubt it would compare to 1976, but it was quite a warm summer. Uh, the people were talking then on the news, oh, climate change. They forgot to mention that last summer was nothing to write home about. Um, so it, it was a one-off occurrence. But therefore, okay, we can put that theory to bed that this is some sort of climate emergency and climate change is happening. Now let's look at the root cause of why the floods of recent weeks have been so bad. And what I'm going to talk about now is this word valley. The word valley means that you've got mountains or at least very steep hills on either side with housing in the middle. And if it rains heavily for a few days, that water has got to go somewhere. And if you have built in the last 10, 20 years, a thousand new homes on what was once a field and a floodplain, that water has got to go somewhere. So instead of that water being sucked into the, the grass in the field and gradually released into the river over the days that followed, it's now landing on concrete, it's flowing straight into the river, and that is leading to floods. And that is what is at the root cause of this. Stupidity in building houses in highly inappropriate places. There's no doubt about that. Probably the first series of floods in this batch was in a place up in Yorkshire. And um, I can't remember accurately, but I think the clue was in the name of the the little 
village town that was being flooded and it was called flood lake isn't that a bit of a giveaway we have words like floodplain you will notice that if you go to tewkesbury and you look at the in the older buildings there particularly uh, church owned they are built on raised land um, go across to cambridgeshire and look at um, ely cathedral it's on a raised platform that has flooded all the way around up until better drainage was introduced we have a situation um, on the wye valley where like so many places uh, the fields have been mechanically drained i.e using mold drains uh, which is a process of putting a tunnel into uh, the subsoil and we have then driven around on these fields with huge modern equipment harvesters um, with a um, harvesting width of 36 feet weighing tons uh, and we've hammered up and down them doing that we've uh, plowed them with immense tractors relative to the old um horse and cut and uh, horse and plow or got rid of hedgerows ferguson we are compacting the ground underneath mm -hmm. and then the farmer comes along and scratches the surface plowing maybe 10 or 12 inches deep but the water now drains off of that field very rapidly when it rains straight into a well-kept ditch into a little stream and thunders off down to the river so rain that falls in the morning is in the river by the evening it used to fall onto the ground it used to soak into the ground and over the next couple of weeks it would be given back to the ground and nurturing crop crops and uh, maintaining the field damp throughout and then slowly trickle into the river without creating floods. Then you take the Somerset levels where everybody was horrified to find them flooding. Well, why? Uh, in the Stone Age, the people of the day used to weave together willow withies to make panels, a process still used for penning sheep, but they laid those across the floodplain and they created some of the first structured roads in Britain. Yeah, now the problem you've got there is you've just outlined what's gone wrong and the process by which huge amount of water is released into streams and then rivers very rapidly rather than over a period of time. This is really the case, isn't it? Particularly, okay, you gave example of what goes on on farmland and um, I, I mentioned uh, hedgerows as well being got rid of and everything else. But how on earth, I just cannot get over the sheer stupidity of planning, being, planning consent being given to build houses on floodplains in valley areas in particular. I just cannot get over the crass stupidity of allowing that to happen. It's purely and simply that councils and organisations, including governments, are broken down into budgets and areas of responsibility. Planning is not the responsibility of the uh, river authorities. 
and basically, as far as I can work out, never the twain shall meet. And it, as long as a builder comes along and says, well, we're going to drain this land, they'll get their planning permission through because uh, due to be the crass stupidity of 13 years of misrule in this country, we have encouraged a very high level of inward movement of mainly economic migrants, all of whom have needed housing and it has led to building high-rise blocks and throwing them up without much consideration for what the cladding on them is uh, and it gave rise to building more and more houses and it is now a compulsion on local government to build x number of houses this morning i had to be in newport which is 22 miles away from my home, it took me an hour and a quarter to do the first four miles because there was a bit of a tail back on the A48. I thought I was going to be very late, but there weren't all that many people on the road this morning. And at the moment, between over a 10-mile stretch on that A48 in a rural area, the plans are in place to build six and a half thousand new homes. Well, the road won't cope with it at the moment, let alone those six and a half thousand homes. And in the Forest of Dean, there is the intention of building another village, town, a small town, a brand new one in an, a, an area of virgin, unbilt land of i believe it's five thousand homes yeah and it goes beyond this though doesn't it in that so far as i can think of numerous examples where there were once warehouses and factories that have been knocked down brownfield sites one could build on and they're, they're not going for that option they're going for greenfield sites that perform an important function as it is so far as uh, soakage and floodplains and draining water away and they're building large housing estates there. And the infrastructure, as you say, so far as roads is very often not in place, let alone schools, GP surgeries and everything else one needs. But it's the sheer stupidity of it. And, and there's talk now, um, particularly in the Cameron years, and I notice this has cropped up again now with Boris Johnson's administration, uh, planning regulations to be relaxed and they're going to make it easier. Well, hang on. There needs to be the right sort of regulation to ensure this, this sort of thing doesn't continue. But so far as where we are now, there's so many areas have been built on, it's not an easy problem to solve because the fact is those houses are there and solutions need to be found to stop places like Pontypridd, Nankaru, various other places that have had new housing estates built in or around them in fairly recent times from having this situation once every few years, I think. But the final point, because time is against us, dredging. Now, this issue of dredging, rivers are not being dredged anything like as often as they used to be. To what extent is EU regulation responsible for the floods we have seen in recent weeks? I can only give you as direct fact the Somerset levels, which haven't been badly damaged this time because eventually we got the rulings on dredging overturned and they haven't flooded this year despite the fact that they would have done had the Perret River not been reverted to being dredged. They had enacted um, law through the EU on um, a, some sort of 
idiot green agenda that because there was some lesser spotted twiddly push in uh, the Perra River, uh, it couldn't be dredged. Well, where do they think lesser spotted twiddly push had come from? Uh, the Perrot has been dredged for years and years and years, and it's living in it. It was more likely to drown because it wasn't being dredged and it was turning the whole thing into permanently high water. We are far better off maintaining, let the people who actually know the land, the farmers, work the land. They are what have given this country its beautiful countryside with the maintenance and conservation. My thanks as always to Greg and my thanks to you for listening. And join us again next week when we'll be analysing all that's really going on with the coronavirus. We'll see you then. <laughs>